the first A-Sun home game in Kennesaw State's football history. It takes place this Saturday at 6 o'clock. We will look back on the overtime affair at Jacksonville State and get you set for North Alabama and Kennesaw State, two teams that used to be Big South foes that have a very interesting history. It's coming up next on ITN. Most of the crew with us today will hear from Jordan Griffith later for his look around the ASUN Conference. Nolan Alexander, Caleb O'Neill, Bryce Gobert, Brandon Sutton, and Barkley Miller with you. Okay, guys, first thing we're going to talk about, it was not the play that absolutely defined the game, but it's something that was heavily discussed during our broadcast. It has been discussed by fans on social media. We're going to start out with an opportunity to address it right here, and that is Jacksonville State's overtime touchdown which ended up being the game winner for the Gamecocks in a 35-28 win against Kennesaw State so here's what happened second and long Zion Webb Jacksonville State quarterback rolls out to the right and he throws to Sterling Galban it was ruled incomplete on the play the official had tossed his hat off signifying that the receiver number one for JSU had stepped out of bounds they went back and reviewed it after everyone just kind of stood around and waited for the replay to show up on the video board and then it was overturned, saying that he got a hand down and was inbounds. Now, there's a lot of things that happened on the broadcast angle that we really weren't privy to that much in the stadium. But looking back at it, it's obvious Galban goes out of bounds. It is, it is clear as day. It's not obvious if he was pushed out of bounds or not, just based off the broadcast angle that we could see. There's no way to determine that. And also... I'm not sure if you can be 100% crystal clear that Galban's hand was down without the fingertips touching out of bounds. That being said, we can talk about it later. KSU had other opportunities in this ballgame. We will dissect this game against JSU, but this is a very controversial play. It ended up being the game-winning touchdown, and I want to turn it over to Caleb. As a former receiver, how did you interpret this play? As you stated, uh, number one got pushed out of bounds by or. From the angle we see, there is a hand on him, but it, it's not that he got shoved out of bounds or walled out of bounds. So it's it's kind of up in the air on how he got out of bounds. Did he run out of bounds or was he forced? But either way, the official drops his hat. Receiver is out of bounds. He has to re-enter to receive the catch. And from what I saw, there was no, like, the fact that he re-established himself was by chance. Like he was just running. It wasn't a, oh my gosh, I'm out of bounds. I got to re reestablish myself inbounds. And props to him on making a spectacular catch. Even to bring that ball in at all, that was some mad skills. But I just feel like there's not indisputable evidence of whenever he catches that ball and his hand comes down, that there's not a piece of his hand or fingers touching out of bounds. I just don't see that. And whenever I first saw it, my immediate reaction was, if they review this, whatever calls on the field is going to stand because they called it incomplete. And there's there's not indisputable evidence that he is 100 percent inbounds, indisputable evidence that he was forced out of bounds or if he ran out of bounds on his own. There's so much in the air here. And as a receiver's coach, his coach is going to tell him you can't go out of bounds regardless of situation, whether you're pushed, whether you run your route out of bounds. So I, it's such a 
up in the air thing with so much, well, maybe this, maybe that, that obviously being Kennesaw State alum and watching that game, I did not like the call, but I am no rule expert. We'll leave that up to the big dogs, but I don't, I did not like the call. Yeah. And, uh, building off of Caleb, very similar to what he said to me. And I know I'm biased on two, two fronts. I'm just going to be straight up with that. Obviously we can't all state alone. And on top of that, I'm a defensive guy. So, I mean, naturally I'm going to side with the defense anyway, because it's so hard to play defense nowadays. But to me, it looks like his route took him out of bounds. And if he's forced out, by Marquise Montgomery, who was in coverage there. The referee typically doesn't even throw their hat down because you don't have to mark them going out of bounds at that point because they're free to re-enter whenever, however they want to. His hat is down. It was never addressed that he was out of bounds either by the referees after they went and reviewed the play. So I think that that's super weird. That's something that, in my opinion, you have to address. You have to be like, oh, you're shoved out came in and then they, uh, if you go on the internet everybody's like oh he got a toe down he got a toe down the referee didn't even say that though he was like his hand was down paul's right here in front of us and it looks like his fingertips are on the white very hard to tell like, too close to call and wherever it's too close to call typically you revert to what the call was on the field which was incomplete just a lot of funky things with it um really frustrating call from our, our side, I understand why Jacksonville State's super excited about it. I mean, it was, like Caleb said, it was an amazing catch, whether he was inbounds or out of bounds. Another funky thing to me, you look, there's 100 people with cameras down there. And I've yet to see a picture or a video from that point of view in the end zone. You'd think that Jacksonville State would be plastering it everywhere. <laughs> That's nothing. a really good point, Barkley. No, nothing. So, I mean... It, I just, I think it was a blown call. Personally, like Caleb said, I don't make the decisions. There is, like, you're, we're looking at it. There's literally eight people with cameras, video cameras, and taking pictures. And they're all taking pictures, and we see nothing. But get paid to make that decision, they do. I know it's a hard decision to make. I mean, God, being a referee in a college football game is tough in general. Things are happening so fast. These are crazy athletes. We're really frustrated with how it turned out. But if we want to look at it, I said it before we even talked about this. Um, Kennesaw State had a opportunity to not even go into overtime, 45-yard missed field goal to win it. And then we, it's going to be forgotten because things like this happen. Everybody forgets about everything that happens before and after because this is the defining moment. Kennesaw State got the ball back and had the opportunity to tie the game and go into a second overtime and sack fumble ended it. Jacksonville State won it. A win's a win's a win. Congratulations to the Gamecocks. I just hate that it ended that way. And in my opinion, it will always have an asterisk on that one and three record. I mean, but guys, if you just take a second and just roll back that game a little bit, what led to the actual review of that play? Like everything was, after the call was made, everything on the field stopped. Everything on the sidelines was halted on the JSU side. Kennesaw was excited, but I don't remember the coach throwing challenge flag. I don't remember a timeout being called anything to lead up to the review of that play after the call had already been made on the field. So prior to that, after the call was made, everything should have been reset. The next play should have been ran for, I don't know what caused it or what caused the pause in play or anything after that. But as soon as the uh, wide receiver caught the ball, that was the first thing he did. He walked straight to the referee and started pleading his case. 
And I, I think there just should, should be some more questions asked about that. What actually led to the review of that play? Yeah, and uh, so before this year, a Sun official had a call with a Sun broadcaster. They said they look at every single play, and of course, any any catch, any touchdown will be reviewed. So I think it was going to happen anyway. I think the unfortunate timing that really threw everyone off was that nothing happened, and everyone was looking up at the video board. And almost instantaneously after that replay was shown, then everything stopped. I think you bring up a good point, Sut. That. I don't know if the ball was spotted again. That seemed like the play clock wasn't running. You're right. Time just froze in Alabama. It just stood there for 20 seconds waiting on that replay to come up on the Jumbotron. Now, one thing to kind of wrap this up, and I think we do need clarification. I've reached out to see if we can get an explanation of this final play to enlighten us on it, just to know what's correct here. So we know moving ahead and we can put this to rest. But on the rule book, rule 12, article 8, Article 8 states the following plays are reviewable and and the replay official may create a foul when there is no call on the field. So they could create this penalty. Article 8.E, illegal touching of a forward pass by an originally eligible receiver who has gone out of bounds or touching of a forward pass by originally ineligible player. So that's really what I want to know is why wasn't that called? Is there a better view of something else where Montgomery pushes Galvan out of bounds? I don't know. We, we weren't privy to that information. So I think it, clarification would help. But moving ahead, looking back at this game here, I think there's a lot of positive for Kennesaw State to take away from this. The, the effort was vastly improved in this one. The toughness was there. Jacksonville State is an FBS transitioning team with, I mean, I had heard off the record, they're not at the full 85 scholarship allotment, but they're not that far from it. So they have more scholarships. They're bumping up. There's a reason they're ineligible for the postseason. Lots of good things for KSU. And again, it's the how. It's the how this game came down to it that I think has us as KSU fans uh, frustrated in some aspects because you, you had it in certain moments. All right, guys, I'll open it up to y'all. What's the one big thing you took away from this? I think one thing I took away from it was that Jonathan Murphy picked up right where he left off. Um one thing with him is that there was a, there were some questions of him taking over X's spot, and would he be able to fill that rushing role that X was so successful at last season? I think in this Jacksonville State game, we were able to see, looking at the stats, three rushing touchdowns for 163 yards, or 30, 163 yards gained, three rushing touchdowns. He has been above expectations for KSU in these two games that he started versus Wofford and versus Jacksonville State. Yeah, that's a good one, Bryce. Um, the one thing that I took away is that this team needs to learn how to finish. Um, typically, historically, with Kennesaw State football, the whole battle cry mantra is you don't want to be close with KSU late. Because for whatever reason, it's the eat, it's the way that we play ball. We get stronger as the game goes on, and we just always knew how to finish games, man. Whether we're coming from behind, whether we're ahead and they bring it back, you know, close and we just eat the clock. It learn just, you know, finishing and winning the game at the end. That's something this team has struggled with, and it's kind of shocking, you know. I mean, they, they did it against Wofford, but um, struggled with it against Stanford and struggled with it here again against Jacksonville State. So they, they do. They just need to find that that extra little bit. We heard, you know, we heard DeAndre talking about it before. It, they're that close, and they really are. They're that close to being having two losses, on, well, one loss on the year, and that being Cincinnati. 
So, yeah, man, just getting that little bit more oomph, figuring out what, what makes them tick and, and learn how to finish is uh, the one takeaway for me that they need to improve on coming up to UNA. And for me, I, I'm just going to build off Barkley's a little bit. Uh, mine's a little similar. It's, I, we, we were able to see the resiliency of the offense and the defense on Saturday. Those guys kept getting put in awkward situation after awkward situation, but continued to fight and find their way out of it. The offense was down a few guys, a few main starters, and they were still able to put together a heck of a ball game. Rushing, passing, all all things were falling in line, but just weren't able to get to the final final uh, end of the game, like Barkley was saying. And defensively, we, we saw lights on performance from the defensive line and the linebackers the entire the entire football game on Saturday. So these guys, they're, they're, they're putting things together and they're coming together more and more each week. But just just so far, it hasn't been able to just fully come together for a full game of Kennesaw State football to this point in time. And I'm going to triple stack Barclay and be Sut. But I really, I really gathered that everything we talked about leading up to the season and early in the year was, oh, man, our, the back end of the defense, or, oh, we got to really step up up front on the offense and all of that stuff. I feel like in one of the the biggest stages of the FCS so far that we've seen is that they they can do it. But their our biggest problem is we gotta learn to win. Cause a lot of the a lot of this team has just been beat up with the end of the year last year losing on a last second play. And then the end of the game at Samford getting away from them. Well, forget about Cincy. And then the end of this one kind of coming down to a little bit of an official review, but on top of that, uh, they didn't finish again. And I feel like that's always the thing with some teams that are historically good is that each year, each team has to learn to win. And once they get over that hump, they can just take off. And I think that's kind of where we're at right now. Well, the Owls have an opportunity to win their first A-Sun game this Saturday, 6 o'clock against North Alabama. KSUowls.com slash tickets or call the ticket office to secure your seats today. And as we'll find out here soon, now by the time this podcast is out, it should have been announced, as we were told, is that the first edition of the formula for the A-Sun WAC champion comes out. Jordan Griffith told us on Saturday, hey, this Jack State game is going to count as an FBS game, which really equates KSU's record to one and one. So everything that this team has for its goals, despite sitting at one and three, is all ahead of it this year. Winning at home, winning the A-Sun, winning the national championship. Those are all in play, but it starts with UNA. Up next, we welcome on safety DeAndre Morris, just a young gun back there in the secondary, already with a couple of picks. He really made a name for himself against Cincinnati when he got the start. He had some great pass breakups, then had an INT against Wofford, and then won last week against the Gamecocks. John Trey Morris joins us next on Inside the Nest. Meet the Owls up close and personal and engage with Owl Nation. Show your support for the black and gold and stay up to date on all of our social media platforms. Be sure to like our Facebook page and follow our Twitter and Instagram at KennesawSTFB to keep up with news and score. To stay up to date on all things KSU Athletic, follow us on Twitter at Nation, as well as following us on our Instagram and liking our Facebook page at Kennesaw State Owls.
safety DeAndre Morris here on Inside the Nest. And DeAndre has made a name for himself here early in 2022, already with a couple of interceptions. His first career one came against Wofford and then this past weekend at Jacksonville State. DeAndre, I want to lead off with this. You were someone who was new to the program last year, and I think raw was the word used. You're someone that was his first time really going through a weight training program. You made a lot of strides over your first season. You started to understand Kennesaw State football. And then, DeAndre, the proof is in the pudding for how you've grown, developed, and adapted here in your second year of the program, now starting at safety and a couple of interceptions. So my question to you is, what was the transition like for you last year and what all did you learn last year pretty much I thought I was ready you know I had a lot to learn with far as like the weight room and coach K last year I was kind of you know I knowing I was on scout team and you know kind of getting discouraged or whatever but as far as like the transitional I started to like tell myself every day get better get better, get better. Even when I had guys in front of me like uh, Vaughn last year or Cole Loden last year. So I just learned from those guys last year and start like the off season. It was like, okay, let me grind. Let me keep grinding. Let me keep grinding. Then Coach K started getting on me. Then all the coaches start, you know, felt like I was going to be a starter or whatever. So I just really just waited my turn and just, I'm just going to keep getting better getting better. And now this year, DeAndre, you're playing opposite side. Markeith Montgomery, a veteran in the program. He also is having a very good start to the year. What all has Markeith taught you and how has he helped you grow on the field this year? Uh, yeah, Markeith was cool, dude. Butter, as you, as you say. Um, hotel room, when we go to the hotel and stuff, he just tell me, like, just keep watching film. That's how you play faster. Keep watching film. Keep watching film. And it's like when I'm in the hotel room, it's not all about football with him. It's like a brotherhood. Like he treat me like a, a real little brother. Like he tell me when I'm wrong. He tell me when I'm right. As far as my technique, he tell me just pad level, all type of stuff. He just be on me at practice, running to the ball. Feel me? So I just try to like, and our communication is better. Like we communicate, we click like, it just, I don't know, it's just something about the, me and him. Do you feel like the game has slowed down any in, like, a sense of, like, the play? Because, you know, a lot of times people's first year playing college ball, it's like, whoa, these everybody's fast now. Like, this is crazy. Everybody's quick. Everybody's strong. Do you feel like it's slowed down for you any? Uh, Cincinnati game, okay, so I was like, okay, I'm starting. To be, I was preparing good, though, at practice. I was trying to push myself, push myself, push myself, you know, so I won't get tired. I was thinking, I just had a whole bunch of thoughts in my head. So the first snap, I had got the first tackle besides the fumble of the first play, but I was like, okay, I can do this, I can do this. So as the game start rolling on and on, I just got comfortable, more comfortable with my back pedal. And it's basically just like practice. If you practice how you gonna play, you gonna play how you practice. Just referring back to I can do this or I referring back to my why, like why I'm doing this. And it just proceed throughout the game and I just finished out and I was like, OK, yeah, I really can do this. So now I'm starting and it's like it's a bigger role. So I still want to keep my spot. So I just keep going at practice every day, 
every day, nonstop. On that, that feeling of, that internal feeling of, hey, I can do this. Has that feeling kind of enhanced your practice? You know, because you can you can see it within yourself. You can probably see who you're going to be playing against on film, and it's like, all right, I gotta I gotta buckle up and get ready to go. Or is it like I'm gonna just keep doing me and keep getting better no matter what? I try to work on myself at practice because I feel like if I can work on myself, I could be more prepared. Then, because I try not to focus on the next team unless we're doing scouting reports and stuff like that. We gotta watch film on them. Other than that, though, like, I try to like get better at myself, dive in the playbook because cause that make you play faster. If you know, like, okay, they're doing this out or not, you're going to know, like, it's, okay, that's the play that we've been going over in film and I've been watching, so I'm like, okay, boom. When they run this play, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to react faster than you know. Yeah, Andre, whenever you talk, look at these interceptions that you had um, in Jacksonville State versus Wofford, what was kind of the thought process um, leading up on those plays whenever you're kind of looking like the offense? What do you look for specifically to kind of put yourself in the right spot? Like I said, Markeith, he really taught me, like, to just play around with the quarterback, make him, like, feel like we going this, showing this, showing too high, showing one high, you know. So whenever I roll down, like, he'll tell me, like, quarterback vision, quarterback vision. And the Wofford play, when I rolled down, I just like, oh, yeah, this a pick. Because we've been talking about picks all year, all year. We've been thinking, we've been talking like since Cincinnati, you're going to get you a pick. You're going to get you a pick. And I always tell them, like, yeah, I am, I am. But I doubt myself sometimes and be like, I'm just waiting on that turn, you know. So I just rolled down. I had quarterback vision. I just thought about him. And I picked the ball, just like, go, really. Jacksonville State game, I just was the ball player, you know. Uh, I had a half field, and nobody was in my zone, so I just, like, following the quarterback, you know. And Coach would always tell us, like, tilt balls, we need those. So, like, yeah, I'm going to get this one. I like it, man, just a ball player. I like it. First off, really proud of how you guys played Saturday. Um, I know nobody here is happy with the outcome, but, man, the eat was there. And I was really excited about that. I'm sure you guys were, too. Y'all finally got to kind of see what it's like to play Kennesaw State defense, which is awesome. How was the morale of the defense on the sideline, even after the game? It was really all about preparation and finishing because Coach Bo always tell us, talk about finish, finish, and everything we do. So we tried to every play, every play, run into the ball, or even if it's indie drills, just keep going to you like it's your last rep. That should prepare us for the game. Once we all come together, as you know, we're a little young. Once we all come together, we're going to be a special football team. Nice. I like it. And looking ahead to UNA. How are you guys planning on keeping that ball rolling against an offense that prides themselves on being physical? They like to run the ball. They like to be really physical up front, you know. Um, so how, how are you guys going to keep that ball rolling and keep the energy going from last week at Jacksonville State? We be creating our own energy. Like, we have T-Bell on the line. We got a lot of veterans. 
So they'll tell us like, hey, let's finish. Finish, finish, finish. Really all about finishing because it's four quarters, 60 minutes. If you win in second half like we was, you feel me? It's just all about finish. And I feel like we can build all that because it was a lot of sad faces Saturday, including me. I feel like we should have won that game, but regroup, build on it. That's in the past, though. We focus on North Alabama, so. Hey, Deontay, I, was, uh, I really liked what you said right there, just moving past it and getting past anything and just looking towards next week and having another opportunity. What are a few things that you're going to do to personally help prepare yourself and help get the guys around you prepared going into the game this weekend? Try to be a leader. You know, even though I'm young, I be trying to, like, tell the guys, like, let's, let's finish because it's all about finishing. And I just prepare myself, like, by watching film because that's a big part in college football you have to watch film that's how you play fast as y'all mentioned before know what the offense doing before they even know feel me so i just feel like i just prepare myself in practice film and just make sure my guys just ready because i know we're gonna be ready what's something you're looking forward to this week against una there's like a certain coverage certain look you're ready to get into anything big going into this game nothing big i just want to win we right here right here I just want to win. You and the Owls are set to host North Alabama this Saturday at 6 p.m. If I remember correctly on Butters pick six, I think you were the guy that threw that last block at the end to make sure he could get those last few yards. Did, did he give you some props afterward for that? Oh, uh, yeah. He, uh, t- <laughs> he told me after the game, he was like, yeah, you hit that quarterback, and I wanted him to get in so bad. I'm a team dude, like. I just wanted him to get in so bad. So he praised me a lot. He was just like, yeah, I messed with that. Like, he was excited, too. So I know he was, but he didn't want to express it a little bit. But I know he was. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it was a great effort and a great effort this past Saturday. Looking forward to seeing you and Kennesaw State host North Alabama in the A-Sun Hope Opener this Saturday at 6 p.m. DeAndre Morris, thank you for your time. All right. Appreciate you. Thank you. With Fifth Third Momentum Banking, we're making banking a fifth third better. Cappuccino for Dave. Yep. Ah, oh, I overdrafted? Now this coffee is $43. That's steep, even for us. With Fifth Third Momentum Banking, we've got your back, which is why we give you extra time to avoid an overdraft. That's way better. This is banking. A Fifth Third better. Fifth Third Extra Time gives you longer. Anytime before midnight ET on the business day after your account is overdrawn to make a deposit that brings your available balance to at least $0. Visit 53.com for additional details. Fifth Third Bank NA member FDIC. Thanks, guys. It was a monumental week in ASUN football last week, mostly because of the results in terms of how UCA took down a behemoth in Austin P this week. The Bears showed that they are legit. The Governors came into this game ranked number 16 in the nation. They beat them 49-20. to They scored 21 points in the third quarter. And this was a game that had two punt returns come back for touchdowns, one for each team. Will McIlvain took home A-Sun Offensive Player of the Year after scoring four touchdowns through the air. Darius Hale also had a pair of scores, and that dynamic duo has led them to a high-caliber offense so far this year. And while the Bears pulled off an upset win over the Governors, EKU helped out the entire conference, getting a 35-28 win over a whack opponent in Southern Utah. 
This game came down to the wire. Another incredible game for Parker McKinney. Four touchdowns, three on the ground, and he showed his athleticism, and we've seen it time and time again this year. And the Colonels just seem to pull out rusher after rusher. This time, Braden Sloan goes for 20 attempts, 88 yards, and a touchdown. It's a relatively slow week this upcoming week with Kennesaw State obviously facing North Alabama, but Lindenwood and Central Arkansas are the only other games happening this week, a relatively slow week in the A-Sun. Back to you guys. And we're back on Inside the Nest. Nolan Alexander, Barkley Miller, Bryce Gobert, Caleb O'Neill, and Brandon Sutton. Thanks, Jordan Griffith, there for that update on the A-Sun Conference. So, we've got the home opener, 6 o'clock Saturday. Snag your tickets, ksuals.com slash tickets against the North Alabama Lions. I mean, that whole car ride back, I don't know if my heart really stopped. I know from Michael Pitts it didn't stop, our communications assistant. But that one came down to the wire last year in Florence, Alabama. And let's start it out with that, Bryce Gobert. Update us on the history between the Owls and the Lions. Oh, yeah, real quick. I don't think anybody's heart stopped. And I think everybody's heart actually kept going because of the heated NFL debates we were having on the car ride back as well. So I think that was uh, a little bit added to it. But looking at this matchup here between North Alabama and Kennesaw State, only two previous matchups. Owls have won both of them back in 2019 was the first meeting between the two at Fifth Third Bank Stadium. Owls won it 41 to 17. And then, as you know, last year, Nolan just mentioned it, 28 to 24 final and a absolutely intense down to the wire game classic Kennesaw State Owls that from what we saw last year so going into this game only the second time playing here at Fifth Third Bank Stadium Owls gonna look for a bounce back Barkley and you know you were there last year with us for that game what was it like and how do you think it'll be a little bit different playing on the road versus at home for this team well one Kennesaw State they, for whatever reason, I think it's because it's one of our mantras is we protect the nest. So that's going to be an advantage, Kennesaw. I know there's going to be a good crowd showing this weekend, and that that helps. Um, UNA last year, it was cold. It was late in the season. We were bumped up. We were bruised. Um, I'm going to start off by saying, thank goodness, Blake Deaver is gone. I mean, golly, that kid just seemed to have Kennesaw State's numbers. He always balled every time we played him, and he, he got the start at quarterback. He's gone, so that's definitely good. That's advantage Kennesaw, too. I think it's going to be a much different game. Uh, they, they they threw it around last year. They did a good job of it. Blake had three touchdowns. I think he threw for almost 300 yards. And, uh, yeah, they, they've struggled to throw the ball so far this year. But where they're dangerous is they have a big physical offensive line, as they always do. I mean, come on, they recruit some Alabama cornbread folks. And uh, they got a running back, and his name is Shunderick Powell, and he's dangerous. He ran for almost 300 yards last week, uh, or two weeks ago, sorry, they were on by last week, against Turlington State. Another thing that's going to be a struggle for this defense is coming off of such an emotionally draining performance like you had against Jacksonville State, it's tough to bounce back from. You just feel, your whole body feels sore, you feel like you're in a fog mentally, and really, Tough Tuesday and Wednesday are your days to work that out, get past it, and look forward to UNA because Kennesaw State's in a very peculiar uh, instance. They need a win, and they need a big win. They, they don't need to win another close and keep every game close this year. They, they need to go out and kind of put their foot on somebody's throat and show their dominance because I think that these guys need that 
kind of oomph. They, they need that uh, little, little extra confidence. So it, it's going to be definitely a battle of wills because of what UNA is going to try to do with their physical offensive linemen and Derek Powell and running the ball. And then with our front seven that just looked lights out against Jacksonville State, it, it's going to be a battle of wills, and it's going to be a fun one to watch. Uh, I hope everybody tunes in because, like I said, it's going to be a good one. So, Brandon, kind of going off what Barkley said, when you look at our offense going up against this Lions defense, what are you looking for in this second home matchup at the bank? Well, first things first, coming into this game, these guys are going to be looking to protect the bank like Barkley was nudging towards a little bit earlier. But looking at UNA's defense coming into this week, they have a guy named Kyrie Fields who's one of their uh, DBs, and he's a headhunter. He already has about 30-so, 30-plus tackles on the season, and this guy gets around the field. So we're going to have to be watching him going into all phases of this offensive uh, system looking into this week. We're going to have to look at where they're placing him on the back end of the field. We're going to see if they're going to move him around for blitzes. But along with this guy, they also have a big, stout defensive line coming into this ballgame. And these guys are hungry after this really, really close ballgame from last year. So now that flips the scripts on to Coach Chestnut on the offense. What are they going to be able to do this week? If last year was the key towards anything, it's going to be a lot of inside zone runs and a lot of press on the inside with trying to squeeze a little bit of stuff, pressure off the edges. And that's just going to allow for Murph and this offensive line to, one, work together to just find where he's going to have the best opportunities to put the ball, but at the exact same time open up and spread this defense out to loosen those running lanes for the two backs and the slots. So looking forward to Saturday – I'm looking for a hard-nosed, grinding fight. Hopefully, we get a few slots back and Zion Katina back on the offensive line. But if we're able to fill in those guys and things are able to work out with another clear Saturday afternoon, I have nothing but high expectations for this offense that's slowly being progressively getting better and better with each week. Do you see Murph having a similar type of game like he had at Jacksonville State versus this UNA team? If we're basing anything off of last year's performance, then yeah, definitely, because this team is going to come in and grind it out and try to not give Murph a lot of options on the field and try to just singular, uh, try to knock down all of his options. So instead of allowing him to be able to pitch things out wide and get him to the slots, they're going to be trying to blitz those linebackers or squeeze on the defensive end side and to try to prevent some of that two-back work that we've been seeing working for us these last few weeks. Uh, I can promise you we're going to see a lot of slant games from those inside defensive tackles. And, Brandon, uh, if I remember correctly last year, man, um, they kind of tried to eliminate the A-back and either make the quarterback tuck it up and kind of make us run that quarterback dive play we like to run our lead. And Kyle Glover had a huge game last year running in between the guards, you know, just hitting those those two A-gaps left or right. Um, is that – do you think they're going to change their defense and go to a spider look, or you think that they're going to try to – go with the same mantra and make the B-back beat you. And, and that's a really good point, and that's a really good question, because when you think about it, your options are shift to something else and try a new strategy. But last year's game showed you that your strategy wasn't that far off. They held Kennesaw on only 28 points, and a lot of those were in scores a late game. So this year, I think we're going to get a really similar look, but with a few more wrinkles, as we see every week. It's just the field dressing, whatever, going to get the flavor of the Kool-Aid for the week. But coming into this game, these guys are going to try to lean heavily on their game plan from last year. I'm very positive on that. And that, one, if their ideas of trying to squeeze and only allow for the two-back and the quarterback to run the ball, or you're giving less people opportunities to run it, more opportunities for you to get the ball from those guys by 
hitting him hard and trying to get him to pop one loose. So it's going to be really, really big going into this week's game that, one, it's not just left on Murph in the two-back. Caleb, before we get into special teams, you played in this matchup last year versus UNA, one reception for 27 yards. From a wide receiver perspective with how run-heavy the Owls' offense is, what is it like going into this game for that kind of from that kind of perspective? So in the back of every receiver's mind, whenever you see how they played us last year, they're playing us straight up. They're bringing a lot of guys downhill to stack the box, to shut down the pitch key or shut down the pitch. In the back of your mind, it's kind of like uh, like it was for me a little bit last year. If I get a pass this week, it's either going to be for a third down conversion or I'm going to be scooting wide freaking open. That's kind of how it ended up being for me. I caught a little, I just ran a seam right down the middle and X dropped it in the basket for me. But in the back of their mind, they're thinking, hey, there's always a chance, you know, because we have been tossing it around a little bit. But the biggest deal for those wide receivers this week is you got you to bring your own juice to the party this week because they're going to be down there. They're going to be pressing. The, they might walk a big guy out on, over top of your head. You're going to have to pony up and square up with somebody that might outweigh you by 20, 30 pounds. So they got to bring their own juice. And then hopefully, as every receiver hopes, they can catch one streaking down the middle of the field or down the sideline and throw that hand up and dance in front of the camera for a second or two. And that kind of carries me into some opportunities we have on special teams. So quick side note about the special teams. They have a returner named Andre Little, who is from Anchorage, Alaska. But his high school was in West End, Alabama. We know I like to break out the uh, random facts about where people are from on their special teams. But I think the Owls have a good opportunity this week to maybe make a big difference in the return game because the Lions have offered up an average of 19.40 yards per punt this year. And um, I think with some of our backs back there, if we can get them the ball and they don't, we can protect them before the ball gets to them, we could have a big chance to make a big difference back there. And then they haven't had a bunch of um, touchbacks compared to total number of kicks. Seven touchbacks out of 20 kicks. So we might also get some more opportunities on kickoff to take one out and see if we can't make something shake. So hoping for a big day, special teams-wise, for the Owls. And um, we'll see how it flies. Well, guys, we appreciate it. Looking forward to this Saturday's matchup versus North Alabama. Get your tickets at KSUOwls.com. Coming up next, it's our scoreboard round here on Inside the Nest. Wellstar Health System helps Kennesaw State Owls stay in the game, no matter what your health goals or concerns are. Find our convenient health centers on campus. Our providers will get to know your needs and help you stay feeling your best. When you go off campus, Wellstar is there for you too. With hospitals, urgent care centers, and medical offices nearby to keep you well. Visit wellstar.org to learn more.
And we're back in the scoreboard round. DeAndre Morris, the safety with two career interceptions, joins us to see if he can continue the streak for the student-athletes that have gotten every answer correct so far. Bryce Gobert has gotten the fact or fiction wrong the last two weeks. <laughs> but first, let's get to know DeAndre with a little would-you-rather. Bryce, take it away, bud. Yeah, thanks, Nolan. So first, would-you-rather that I have for you, DeAndre, is would-you-rather, as a safety, have the ability to have a speed boost at any time you want or have the ability to jump as high as you can? Ooh. I say hi. Yeah, I say hi. I have a ton of interception, Dan, so yeah, definitely hi. <laughs> I like the answer. I like the answer. I, I, I'd have to agree with you, although Nolan and I last season did a little 40-yard dash, and it didn't go my my favor. Uh, so I, I, I the, the jump is nice, but I think I'm going to have to take the speed boost just to beat Nolan on this 40-yard uh, dash. <laughs> DeAndre, just so you know, Bryce ran the slowest 40-yard dash I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I am. I it's. I have no words. I can't. There's nothing I can say for it. Honestly, Deontay, you could probably backpedal and beat Bryce with his 40 yard time. He needs the boost. Backpedal. Need I need the boost. It's needed. So, what about you? I, I'm definitely gonna take the jumping, just because, like, I'm sort of a short guy. So, whenever I need something. Man, if you ask JG, he thinks that me and Brandon are like giants. He's always like, yeah, you and Barkley are huge. And I'm like, what do you mean? I'm, we're not that tall. I'm going to go against the grain here. I'm going to go with a speed boost, man. I'm just seeing, you know, playing a little D-line. You get that edge, and you just need that extra step to get that sack, man. You get that speed boost, bang. Yeah, yeah, Have a yeah, bunch yeah. of sacks. Yeah, agree. Man, I would. I want to say the speed boost. So I could like be in my dreams, like Randy Moss throwing my hand up before I even get beside the cornerback. But I gotta, I gotta take jumping, man. Yeah, <laughs> dude, that's that's almost better than speed. Like, look at like ra bunny rabbits, dude. They can run fast, but they when they like try to attack each other, they jump over each other, dude. <laughs> like that's so cool. They can just boing, and nobody can touch them. Caleb that was the not the reference. Yeah, that was not the reference I thought we were gonna get. <laughs> yeah we weren't we aren't taking it that we aren't going there not on here anyways <laughs> i'll take the speed because at this point in my life jumping does me no good so, and you can just I'll, beat me again in the 40 yard dash i don't need a speed boost to beat you in the 40 yard <laughs> dash price well you can extend the time all right so you know what we're gonna have it this year we're gonna report back we're gonna see i'm gonna race you in a 40 yard dash i want to challenge that's that's not going to uh -oh. end well for you. Yeah, you that's okay. You hey, listen, uh -oh. that's fine. Listen, listen. If it doesn't that. end well for me, it, that's what it is. It is what it is. But I, I want Sut. That's my next opponent. That's who I want. <laughs> I, I want the GoPro on my back so I can record Bryce's face the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> we can make that happen, except uh, I don't know it'll be – I don't know you'll see much from back there. I mean, I mean, Bryce, just to put it in perspective, if I remember correctly, you ran like a six-something. Hey, listen, I've been practicing. Oh, no, oh, no, oh, no, oh. no. He didn't even get six. Yes, he I was did. like seven, seven. No, and it, a half. it was six oh. four. I did a six no, four. No. I did a six either four. Way, either way, I don't care how much you've been practicing. Both me and Brandon, whenever we were at KSU, were like low four nine guys. So, like, I, there's no, uh, you, I don't think you can physically get there. I'm going to try it. I'm going to try. We will decide that later this season. Let's go on ahead and get to our factor fiction here with DeAndre. All righty, DeAndre, fact or fiction? Got two statements here. You have to decide which one fact and which one is fiction. First statement I have for you 
is that apples are a member of the Rose family. Mm -hmm. And the second statement is that the official state drink of Arkansas is Dr. Pepper. Which one is fact? Which one is fiction? Got to go with Dr. Pepper. Okay. Any reasoning on it? Uh, it just sound sound real, like you know. Uh, I don't really know about Dr. Pepper, but it sound real though. <laughs> okay. okay. Respectable, respectable. I don't know, guys. Uh, Dr. Pepper, that's it. Sounds semi reasonable, but uh, I'm gonna just be the first guy. I'm gonna go with apples are part of the rose family. It's fact. Okay. Time I think of Dr. Pepper, I think of the uh, Fansville commercials. And I could so see some uh, Arkansas fans in the Fansville commercials. But I I'm going to go last, and I'm going to tell you guys why after. <laughs> Leave us out holding? I don't know. Is that part of the rules, Nolan? No, you can't just say you're going to go last and tell us later. You, you can't make that rule. No. Why not? Because Peter. you're going to look at everyone's answer and then try to change and get yourself back into it because you're out last me, week. I have a really good reason on why I'm going last. Just Okay, here, here, here's what happens, all right? We're going to put this new rule into it since we're just making up rules now. <laughs> I'm going to reserve comment about the last play of overtime or the last JSU offensive possession overtime about making up rules. Reserving comment. But if we don't agree with your reasoning barkley you now have to go first in fact or fiction after the student athlete for the rest of the year deal i'm okay with that i'm okay with that all right sea dog what you got okay i'm big big dr pepper fan and i feel like i would have heard of this by now because those 23 flavors would have done whispered to me hey arkansas so i'm telling you it's going to be that apple tree is a member of the Rose family because my parents have an apple tree in the backyard and that thing buds. And I know like every flowering plant buds, but for some reason I could see it from, it's just like a larger version of a rose bush in the back of my head. So we're going with apple trees, rose bush, same family, cousins. Okay. I think the Dr. Pepper one is false. Only because Dr. Pepper started in Texas. It's from Texas. It's a Texas drink. And I want to say maybe it's near like Waco or something like that where it started out. And Arkansas and Texas, like, they don't get along. They don't like each other. So I don't know if Arkansas would want to copy something from Texas. Would it be copying and you got the stealing whole, it to make them mad? No, I don't think it'd be stealing it. Then you had this whole Sam Walton Walmart thing in there and him being okay with just Dr. Pepper and not trying to get a bigger thing with COVID. <laughs> Yeah, I don't I don't see it. I think Arkansas their their drink should be like sweet tea and not Dr. Pepper. So that's fiction and the rose apple thing, I'll go truth. Man, sweet tea I think of Mississippi, not Arkansas. It's funny, Caleb's over here like, oh, I would have moved to Arkansas if I was state drink Arkansas. Um so the reason I wanted to go last is because as you all know, I went apple picking with Brittany uh two weekends ago. And we were to Mercier Orchards. And while you're picking apples, they tell you some facts about apples. And one of the facts is that the apple tree is, in fact, part of the Rose family. So that's why I wanted to go last. Didn't want to have any bias here, you know. Knew, knew that weird fact off the top of my head. Shout out, Brittany. But, yeah, that, that's that's fact and the uh, Dr. Pepper's fiction. 
you know, this is what I get for for being single and not going apple picking. It's this this isn't fair. Listen, you know what? I'll take the no point deduction. I got one of y'all, but you are right, Barkley. Apples are a part of the rules. I'll take the one point deduction. Well, DeAndre, now you have an opportunity in addition to stumping offenses, you can stump some of your teammates at practice today. Thanks for joining us here at Inside the Nest, and best of luck this weekend against UNA. Thank you. Appreciate it.